Hello and welcome to the Viewfinder Vikings podcast. This is Sven and I'm from Norway. And today I have a super special guest as always. Uh, this time all the way from the United States. It's none other than F-Stoppers royalty. It's Hans uh, Rosemann. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna. They would call me royalty since I haven't uh, had a post there in probably a, a minute or two. So, uh, but uh, but I'm I'm happy to be here regardless. Well, you're you're one of the the originals for me at least. I don't know how old F Suppers is. It's probably close to ten years old, right? Right. But oh, it's yeah, it's getting up there definitely. Yeah. Well, we can just dive right into your backstory, and maybe you can tell us how you got into photography and got into f-stoppers and, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, I, um, I I got into photography in much the, the same way a lot of people do. I just kind of stumbled into it, really. I back in um, the early two thousands, I had one of those little cheapo Casio XLM. Uh, digital cameras. I'm, not, I'm, you know, I'm probably showing my age here, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I had uh, one too. <laughs> oh yeah, right on. <laughs> but it's this little, you know, 3.1 megapixel slim, and I was just, uh, just walking around. I lived in Chicago at the time, and I just walked around town and just took pictures of, you know, corners and and, and skies and buildings and just all kinds of stuff. And and I never really um, saw that as photography. Really, um, it was just something to do more than anything else. And um, the uh, the young lady that I was dating at the time, you know, asked me, well, "Would you like to try a real camera?" And um, so she let me borrow this um, 35 millimeter camera. It's a, it was a a Nikon mat, a Nikon Nikon mat. And uh, I mean, I just immediately fell in love with it, and I thought it was just the the coolest thing ever i mean it, it was just just really fine and i you know and back then you know it was it was anything seriously digital was it was all film i'm excuse me anything seriously photography was all film right um digital was still kind of um it was there but it wasn't taking over by by any means um so i would walk around town and you know still taking pictures of corners and buildings and flowers and all kinds of stuff like that but i was really kind of trying to to get to understand um what it was all about um you know and really understanding the settings and, and that sort of thing but still very much a hobbyist um and then that kind of changed when i i got myself a um a digital rebel the original digital rebel and um yeah from there i think my learning was just kind of exponential there because you know with digital, um, I, I was a uh, not I was not still in college, but I was uh, still very poor. <laughs> not that I'm rich now, <laughs> um, so you know, uh, waiting to get your your prints back um, from your film to recognize what mistakes you made um, <laughs> is not the not the fastest way to learn. Um, so digital was was much better for me for that, and then from there it was just kind of building and building and building and. And then one day I um, got a person in front, I think it was my roommate at the time, um, in front of my camera, and I was just hooked. And then from then on, I couldn't, I, it was very hard for me to take pictures that didn't have people in them. Um, and right. then I taught myself uh, lighting, you know, with from, um, from books, um, many, many books. Um, and then YouTube University came along and, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that kind of helped as well. But um yeah, and then I um, eventually got what I, I guess good enough to where people started asking me to do things, um, and so yeah, I just kind of started taking uh, commissions here and there, and then I was you know published for the first time, and then I ended up um, with a uh, working for a, an agency out of New York called um, Black Star. Um, ended up doing some work for them while I lived in um, Pittsburgh. Um, I traveled a lot when I was when I was younger before settling down with my wife and kids. And um, yeah, I, I just uh, did a lot of um, mostly editorial work, not really too much commercial. Um, and yeah, still now we're here and I, I do take the occasional um, wedding and, and portraiture work, but um, I've mostly kind of settled into now I, I work um, full time at a, a local camera shop. Um, which is great because, you know, I know it, it sounds 
like, why aren't you working full time? And it, I think I've, I've kind of gotten to a point where, well, to be frank, I've just never really been very good at trying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know that that sounds really stupid, but, but, no, no. Um, but I, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy working around photography um, and I've never been great at, at marketing. So this is kind of a way for me to kind of, you know, scratch that itch, take the work that I want um, and then still have a life with my family. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I am right now. And, and I think al- along with a lot of other people, you know, with this whole pandemic situation, they're kind of uh, exploring the possibilities of, you know, making you know money off of YouTube and all that good stuff. But, you know, once again, I'm, I'm just not very good at trying. So <laughs> <laughs> I like to let things fall into my lap, you know, like, a, you know, like an idiot. But yeah, I, 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 I hear you. I, I, I'm kind of the same. And uh that that struck a chord when you said that that's sort of what i'm doing but i'm, I'm sort of trying making a living as a photographer without trying so <laughs> so I, i i get that so but um so so now uh, you 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 mostly do you you deal with digital cameras or do you do everything is it a used shop or um so i uh well at the, the shop that i work at um They do, um, I mean, I'd, I'd say about half and half or so. They right. really, they really um, specialize in used equipment. I mean, we do have tons of news gear, uh, uh, new gear as well, but um, they have a, a ton of old film and analog equipment. Which you know, me, it's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I just, I just love it, you know. And I get to borrow um, gear that I, I've never used before and that I would never be able to afford otherwise, you know, it's just like, Oh, I'm just going to grab this Hasselblad and take it for the weekend, you know? And, and it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was, a, it's just a really cool opportunity. Plus I just, I just like dealing with people. I've always been really good with dealing with, you know, in customer service. All right. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's fun for me to be like, you know, I'm going to take an eight by 10 this weekend, or I'm going to take, you know, this or that and the other thing. Um, but yeah, I, for my own work, um, for paid work for photography, it's mostly digital. Um, cause I get hired a lot for, you know, for headshots, uh, for food photography, stuff like that. And again, it's not something that I'm particularly promoting myself for. It's just kind of word gets around that yeah. I'm there. Um, and one thing kind of leads to another. And then for my personal work, um, for projects, then I usually shoot film, uh, for it. Okay. Because, so, so, yeah. so per- portrait work is, is personal and, and all the other stuff that you sort of, Uh, have a have a second income of we we don't see that on instagram or uh on your youtube channel etc that's sort of yeah you know and it, on and the it's, side it, it's funny because you saying that you know it's just it sounds like man i'm, I'm dumb like why <laughs> why, why, why aren't i putting this on, on instagram like you know i mean i just shot like you know i did some food photography and some some headshots and support none of it makes it to instagram you know but then i you know i i, I take a portrait of my son that gets on Instagram or, I, <laughs> you know, some an interesting person that I found that gets on Instagram. And I mean, I guess it makes sense. You know, they say you, you, you post the stuff that you want to get hired to do. Yeah. But, um, but also, you know, in a business sense, you know, it, it makes more sense for me to actually be putting the work that I'm regularly doing up. Um, that does make more sense. So, so thanks. Thanks for making me <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, I actually, I've sort of fallen in the same trap myself. I, I, I started off with this idea that my Instagram should be only black and white, uh, from my, from my darkroom projects and stuff. And then as, as I sort of want clients and stuff, now I have nowhere to sort of get clients because my Instagram is busy with that black and white stuff that sort of is sort of an art thing. And then my website is also the same. And then, so it's, um, I sort of get, get what you're saying. I probably should, yeah. uh, should market the other stuff on, well, we, there's right. always that's Facebook. Right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, Oh yeah. Facebook, Facebook is the worst. Yeah. It's, you know, like I, I am, um, When I first moved to North Carolina, maybe, oh gosh, what's it been like two and a half years or so now, um, 
this is you know pre-pandemic, and I was trying to kind of get my um, foot in the door here in town. And I had never really tried, you know, just going hardcore promoting on Facebook or Instagram. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it a shot. And it is just, it is a race to the bottom as far as price goes um, and the clientele. It, it's just not my clientele, you know. And there's not, I, I, you know, people who if if they want to charge $500 to do a wedding or they want to charge 50 bucks to do a portrait shoot, you know, like what, what, I'm not going to compete with that. You know, it's, it's just, it's just very soul sucking. And, um, and I get it, you know, I'm not going to get those clients. I'm not going to, um, you know, make that money that I could have made there, but it's just not for me as far as that kind of, that melee of, of, of people, cutting i mean i would i would put you know some kind of you know headshot ad or something like that and like people would literally post on my post saying like i'll do it for 50 dollars and i'm just like you know what <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> like, god i was like i yeah it, it's just not me. oh yeah. yeah facebook is just I, i'm really just hanging on there for the groups uh oh groups are great yeah, yeah the, I, I just yeah. hate that the groups are so fantastic there because mm. you know we could, or or else we could have just deleted the whole thing but <laughs> sure yeah i see what you mean well so to sum it up you um, you said you you do a few weddings uh, a year what, what was it like 10 or 15 or i'd say probably more yeah like somewhere between you know 7 7 to 10 weddings a year is probably what i average um it's nothing nothing spectacular. I, I tried that. It was, it, you know, it's, it's weird because I, I feel like I, I, I tried the, um, the knot and wedding wire for the first time, <laughs> which I don't know if they have something similar in uh, Norway, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know if they have something similar, um, there, but, um, it's just, you know, kind of a, a pay to pay to play ad space basically for, um, for wedding photographers and, and it, all the, all the vendors, and, um, you know, I got a, some, some decent response and then, uh, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, well, well earned that's <laughs> marketing yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Ugh. So I mean, thankfully I was coming towards the end of that contract when that happened. But, um, so that's not a knock on, you know, the knot or wedding wear. I never really got to really put it through its paces, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's there. I just actually, I just shot a wedding yesterday or really, yesterday, um, Day before, day before, excuse me. Okay. And um, yeah, and it was it was great um, to finally you know get back into it. But um, again, it's just not something that I I I really feel like I I like doing weddings, but it's not like I'm passionate about doing weddings. Um, and um, you know, hopefully none of my clients will hear this. But you but you're not shooting. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. Uh, at least for a few years, this this podcast <laughs> is not going anywhere. Right. But you're you're not shooting any film at, at, at your weddings, not even just just a uh, tiny role I, I here do, and there. I usually do. Well, not roles. I, I usually try to shoot um, the portraits on film hmm. uh, for for weddings. Um, typically, uh, I'll try to shoot um, some large format um, if possible. Yesterday or the day before, rather, it was just. It was so go go go. Right. I, I I barely had time to do the digital stuff, let alone to shoot um, shoot film. Um. So I, you know, and I don't know why that was because it was. I think maybe just because it was just me. There was no second shooter. So. Um, okay. Yeah, but it was. I usually do try to incorporate film into my uh, into my weddings, but it didn't really happen. Well, I think that's a. That's 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 the only intriguing aspect of wedding photography for me is is uh, the the idea of going in sort of blind with with just film and and just relying on ex- experience and a bit of luck and and uh, doing the whole whole thing purely on film. That's the only, but that uh, I I mean I would never do that. That's crazy. But uh, what if, what if the lab labs burn down during the night and you have twenty five rolls there? Sure, sure. <laughs> but you know, it's it's funny to think of it that way. But I mean, you know, people did it all the time. That was yeah the way it was done, and that's true. You know, people took a lot less 
photos and they probably spent a lot less time, you know, processing their images. They just, you know, <laughs> what you got, what you got. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, it's just a, a different, a different world. It's, it's really interesting working in the, in the camera store because, um, the owner, um, Tony, you know, and I'd say he's a, you know, he's a friend now he, um, he's been around a while. And so he's kind of seen the way that the industry has gone and, you know, the stories, uh, that come through and, but it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a very, um, uh, similar, similar type of story that comes through just for a different time. Like back in the day, you know, he said, you know, we would have, he would have people come in and, you know, had never shot a wedding before and would buy this, you know, the latest and greatest medium format film camera and then be off to a wedding. And I see the same things today with, you know, like, oh, I have never shot a wedding before, but I'm going to go come in and buy a 5D Mark IV and then go off and shoot this wedding. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> the clients have no idea what they're getting, you know, but it's just, it's, it's really interesting how people still do that, you know, to this day that they kind of <laughs> just fly by the seat of their pants and you know well i guess that now with with youtube you you sort of get this false well maybe not directly false confidence from from all the hours you've watched so Mm -hmm. you sort of feel that you know what you're doing uh until you actually are in front of everyone and and has to sort of line up uh yeah 70 people and and uh I've done one wedding uh, that was before my film film days, and and uh, mm-hmm. I did it sort of for a friend of a friend, and I I asked them if I could do it for just for the expenses, just to see if I liked it and and whatever, and it it was sort of okay, but um, man, that it's a long day, and you're mm-hmm. very sort of you're dedicated for. I don't know how 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 many months in advance are you talking to your clients? Like a half a year, a year maybe? Yeah, around that. Yeah, so, somewhere in there. Usually about a year. And do you get emails from from your clients like every now and then in like in that year? So you have to sort of not deal with the clients, but you, do you get what I mean? Like you have to not do... real. I mean, occasionally you reach out to them to kind of say like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know that kind of thing. But it's you. Yeah, I don't really. I don't really hear from them uh, for the most part until maybe two or three months out. And that's when you start okay. talking about the day and, you know, what they want. And, but sometimes um, if there's an engagement shoot, then you'll see them for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty quiet, really. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I, I love talking to wedding photographers and I love to follow wedding photographers on Instagram just to sort of get a glimpse in, in their life and uh, how they how they're working and yeah cuz cuz how many weddings would you have to do a, a year to to make a living oh gosh well i mean i guess it depends on what you're charging right you know, sure um uh some people you know they're charging you know $8000 for a wedding so they don't have to do very many but if you're you know i guess are you walmart or are you neiman marcus you know are you um uh, <laughs> Are you charging five hundred dollars? Because then you're going to have to do a, a shit ton of weddings to to make it work, you know. Or are you uh, are you charging what you're supposed to? And I think that's kind of um, that's the world we live in right now. Yeah. You know, people are people don't really understand how much it costs to be in a business, um, and that's that's something we, we we definitely see a lot at the camera shop. People don't really get. Um, how much things cost, and do, do you ever have to argue for your own price, or, or do you have to? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I never argue with. Okay, it's, it's just it's just a. Uh, it's a yes or no, a take it or leave it sort of thing, and you don't have to justify. You don't have to no. explain anything, and. No. 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 But but and that, and I and that's not like in a haughty. You know, oh, I'm so good. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, a you know, yeah, <laughs> sorry. That's not how I meant to go, but it, it's, it's more of a, a there, well, two, two parts really to that. One is that, you know, your price is what your price is. Um, and if, if people can't afford to pay you, then why are, why would they be your client? 
you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that's just, it's just not your client. Um, you don't want someone in the position of, of barely being able to, to, to pay you, um, even a deposit say, you know, cause usually you don't pay the whole thing, um, upfront. Um, so, you know, you'll, you'll take a deposit of X amount of dollars and then, you know, 30 days, 60 days beforehand, you know, the balance is due. Um, so if, if it's a struggle to pay for it, for the deposit, then it's going to be a struggle to pay for the balance. You know, you're just, you're, you're setting up yourself up to deal with a client who just may not fit. Um, and that's okay. You know, like I, I was told a long time ago that, you know, you remember that you are not your client, right? I mean, because right. I can't, I can't afford me. <laughs> that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can't afford myself, you know, like that's just not, um, you know, for, for portrait work or, or whatever it is, but I'm not supposed to. Um, so like, I, I think people kind of, they, they want the work and that's completely understandable. You know, I, 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 I get that they want to, they don't want to lose a client by, you know, standing firm on their price. And, but I think that's a personal, that's a personal choice to make. And I'm not going to judge someone for saying, Hey, you know what I got, I got, I need to put food on the table. Um, and I'm going to negotiate with this client and, and, and I'm going to meet them halfway or whatever it is. That's a personal choice. And, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to be like, well, you're hurting the industry. And it's like, well, you know, people have been hurting the industry since the beginning of time. And that's just the way that it is. There's always going to be someone who's cheaper than you. There's always going to be someone who's up and coming and who, you know, is going to try and undercut your prices. And that's just the way that it is. But I'm never going to say, um, no, you can't feed your family because you need to do what's right for the industry. Um, that's not my place. Uh, I, so. I agree with that. And I, I've always, I, I've never understood that argument that, that, uh, everyone is uh, undercutting and, and such. Uh, I, they do it because they need a, a, a way in. They need a foot in the door. And yeah, you can't just roll in there with no experience and, and try to take ten thousand dollars for a wedding. You will never get mm -hmm. a, a client. So, so and those people are. And if they keep doing that, they're not going to be in business for very long. Yeah, you know that's that's just the cold reality of it. Because you you cannot make a living on doing five hundred dollar weddings. You just can't do it. You know, you, equipment costs, insurance, at least not, and, and do it the right way as far as, you know, paying your taxes and all that good stuff. Um, but eventually, they're going to have to change something. Yeah, and usually the, this, the, the skills that they get as a photographer is sort of equal to the skills that they get as negotiators and, and marketers and business people. That was the case for me, at least, so... Mm -hmm. So it was sort of my my pricing was was very fitting in the beginning because I, I was priced really low, but I had no experience. And as my experience grew, I sort of understood more and better where I could charge a little bit more. And then, yeah, since I'm charging more, I'm also delivering delivering better uh, stuff because I'm spending more time at Syria. So I just thought about the other day. I I, I usually do business. Um, uh, I have com companies that that hires me for stuff. Mm -hmm. um, just as small ads and stuff, but I just realized that I've never gotten a no from any price offering or uh, any any sort of negotiation ever. Yeah, that's sort of, that's probably a bad sign, right? So, <laughs> well, well, no, not necessarily because I mean, like, you you could just be right on the money as far as your pricing goes. Oh, I like uh, that. <laughs> right, it sounds well, much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you don't want to i mean of course you don't want to hear like you know he would have paid twice that but <laughs> um because that's right. that's that's certainly you know that could be true as well but uh -huh. i think a lot of people get scared if you're too cheap um you know when you're too cheap i think people are kind of like eh, well why is he charging so little um uh, so that's definitely a, a yeah. concern as well the only thing i hate is when they contact me uh, and they say in the first email, they say that they have gotten an offer from a, uh, another photographer, but it was mm -hmm. too expensive for us. So we would like an, an, a second offer from you. So right. they just <laughs> sort of set the bar for me. Don't go over the whatever X amount that you think that the other photographer took. And 
So right. that's that's sort of like, I I like those mind games, but probably I'm on the losing end every time. But <laughs> of course, well, of course. well, yeah. let's uh, let's see that the. Um, the thing I wanted to talk to you about also was, of course, with f-stoppers, and uh, I've been a regular uh, reader of f-stoppers uh, for a long time, four or five years, I think. Um, and uh, ever since I noticed your name there, I, I, I almost every of your articles are sort of in my interest field. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a few other guys, too, that's sort of in the same realm and then there's some articles that just don't interest me at all but do you can you talk about what do you are you free to write anything you want as many as you want in a year do you do you get yeah. just free marketing or do you get paid is it like tiny amounts for every sure, article sure. so i mean it's a year i mean you don't you're not going to get rich off of off of writing for um, F stoppers and, and you know for the record I, I don't I mean I do I'm still listed I think as a contributor for F stoppers um, now because I, I haven't written an article with them you know in, in a while um, just being when I moved uh, to North Carolina it was uh, <laughs> it was it was very much a kind of a I don't know how a mind job I, I guess on myself like I, I wasn't very uh, productive in, in any regard really um so it took a while for me to kind of get situated and, and get my bearings and then and then covid hit and um i've just been you know with, then i started move, working at the uh, at the shop um uh, at the photography store that i work at and um yeah so i just haven't been on a on a regular enough schedule to be able to contribute to the site as much as i as i would like to i'd, I'd like to get back to it um but so now i'm i'm a contributor and not a staff writer um, in order to be a staff writer, you have to contribute, I believe it's four articles per month. Um, and that can be anything, you know, like they're, they're really, it's funny, you know, cause I mean, I know that they get uh, a lot of people, they're very lover, love them or hate them. Um, and a lot of the articles on there, you know, are, are found content, you know, that's shared, you know, so they'll find, you know, something that's really interesting and they'll say, Hey, I think our, our viewers would like to check this out. So they'll post an article about that, um, you know, which is great. Um, but you, I think the thing that people don't really get, or a lot of people don't get is that the people who write for F stoppers, most of them are not journalists, you know, they're photographers. Um, and they have an interest and they really want to, to share a viewpoint. Um, but they're just people, you know, they're, they're not trained to be photojournalists or, or, or journalists of any of any kind or type and um, so I think there's kind of an unrealistic expectation for the content on f-stoppers to be all completely um, journalistic and in, in in its scope and that's just just not what it is you know like they, they you know people want it to be well we need to have a balanced viewpoint and it's like well no we, we really don't because that's not what this is. You know, I mean, yes, if something is presented as news, then sure, you know, but by and large, most of the content is, you know, shared or it's, it's opinions. Um, and so it's not a F stoppers has this opinion. It's no, this writer for F stoppers has this opinion. And, and I think that's great. I think that's, that, that brings a, you know, a whole lot of different viewpoints in, in one space. So, you're going to have people there that you identify with and you're going to have people there that you, you know, can't stand. <laughs> and that's, and that's okay. You know, that's all right. That's life. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people who can't stand me either, you know, and that, that's all right. I don't no. know what's wrong with them. But, you know. <laughs> well, I, I've, been, I've noticed that the, those shared articles are, are popping up, uh, especially with, with, with film, YouTube videos of film related stuff mm -hmm. maybe because that's um i don't know i i would be i would feel pretty intimidated to write an article about uh a, a youtube video of, made by someone who knew the material better than i did mm, so mm -hmm. so sure. i i just shared whatever he said because it's very interesting but i'm not going to do sort of write my own thing but so i've seen that a lot that that a few, a few, few guys uh, shares a lot of 
film related videos and and those mm -hmm. videos are, are usually videos that I've already seen uh, on my own and I really I really start to see that those videos uh, or these articles about film uh, YouTube videos of film in particular are coming more and more mm -hmm. and I don't know if you get any guidelines from the F stoppers? Do you sort of wing it? You, can you can you do as much film stuff as you want, or is it? Are they... No, no. They, they're really they're really good about just do what you want. You know, I mean, like they're they they want content um, for the site, and within reason, they're very accommodating about whatever it is that you want to share, whatever it is that you want to write. Um, Okay. You know, I, I think that as far as the, the increase in film content, film is, is blowing up. I mean, it is, it is getting really big again. I mean, it's never going to be what it used to be. Don't get me wrong, but right. it is, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty big right now. And I see that at the camera shop that I work at, like, I mean, like just people coming in all the time looking for film, not having ever shot it before. Um, uh, and it's, it's great. You know, I, I think it's really, I mean, the, crappy part is the prices where everything is going up but yeah you know it is what it is what it is but um and the I price of that's... and the price of sd cards are going down <laughs> <laughs> yeah sd cards are cheap yeah. <laughs> yeah i think they're cheap film film prices are going up and uh sd cards are going down but you know it's it's funny because you know there are there are so many cameras out there that are now very very sought after like i, I almost feel bad because you know i wrote one of those about the RZ67 way back in the day, and and um, now I feel like I'm part of the problem as far as now how expensive that camera is. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't get me wrong; it's a fantastic camera. I love it, but I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of got a little bit my fault there. Well, it's, it's it's very interesting because with the prices being so high again, then the RCs and the Pentax 672s and th those. Uh, the the new guys don't get those cameras until they been at it for a while and so the youtube videos of tomorrow regarding film would probably be with other types of medium format cameras and other issues and other mm -hmm. other stuff than five or six years ago with the rz's and the rb so well you know honestly like i don't i don't see that happening really what i what i see happening is that people YouTube is is the major pusher of what is quote unquote cool as far as film cameras go. Um, mm -hmm. So people, who, a lot of people who have never shot film at all before, know what an RZ67 is, and they will go and look for it as their first camera. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that crazy right now. I mean, like it, it, it it's pretty nuts. Yeah. It's funny because I mean, like point point and shoot cameras, like little rinky dink plastic point and shoots, are super popular right now. We can't keep them in stock at the store that I that I um, work at. Really, like any brand, or oh, yeah. it's just the Muse and the? Uh, I mean, yeah, those too. But any point and shoot, people are asking for for whatever, any kind of point and shoot. They just they love them. They want them. You know, huh. and it's I mean, they're they were they were crap then and now they're definitely <laughs> crap and people yes. people love them, though, you know, um, I'm just like, well, you know, for the same price, you could have this, you know, like, why don't you just get this little Minolta, you know, with it's a, it's an SLR. You can get a cheap lens. No, no, I want to I want to point and shoot. <laughs> I saw on, I saw on YouTube that this one's awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Cool. Um but you know, I, I shouldn't complain because hey, film is film, and it's selling film, and that's that's great. Um, do you, Do you think but, it's uh, Do you think it's uh, important for the new guys to start with thirty five mil or? No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I, I think um, you know, I like to honestly. If people have been shooting digital for a long time, um, I usually suggest that people go medium format before they go thirty five because. I, and and I am not a 35 millimeter shooter. I'm going to say that right out. Like I've tried. I, I I can't. I can't do it. Like it's just the the quality of the format is just not good enough from where what I want. Um, and you know, and that's good enough is in really big quotes because you know I I've seen fantastic work come from 35 millimeter cameras. I just can't get past. It's a block on. It's a totally on my end. 
you know, as far as the resolution goes. Um, but I mean, I've, I've seen some fantastic work from 35 millimeter photographers. But for me, um, I think if someone's going to make the jump from digital to film, they need the experience needs to be different. You know what I mean? Like, like why, why go to a format that feels like you're shooting kind of this, it feels kind of the same and the quality is worse. Like, why not go to something that feels different? Um, you work differently with it. So there's some sort of novelty there and you're getting a, a, a quality, uh, negative out of it or, or slide or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I would push someone to shoot large format first. Why not? I mean, like it's <laughs> yeah, it's certainly. I mean, it's 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 a different way of thinking, but it's not difficult. You know, like it's not it's not hard. It's just it requires a little bit more discipline. Um, it's probably you know. harder to to get your head around sort of the lens boards and shutters and stuff. But a medium format camera is just remembering the name and then typing it into eBay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but yeah. I I agree totally, yeah. and and I I I think that if I if I didn't start uh, with film in the time that I did, uh, when the price was super low, or not not on its lowest, uh, but I started around 2014, 2015, 2016, mm -hmm. and uh, I started right off the bat with medium format, and I think if if I went the thirty five mil, uh, mil route, I think I would have. The quality would be too uh, too much a gap because of the scanners, and yeah. I and I had a D eight hundred with thirty six megapixels, so mm -hmm. I needed something that was comparable, and uh, and the the scanners that we mo or the we usually buy the the V five fifty or V six hundred first, and then maybe we mm -hmm. upgrade to V eight hundred and seven hundred, but still, in terms of scanning thirty five. Um, you have to go medium format with those types of scanners, and I th yeah, and I think yeah. the scanners back in the day were much better with the Minoltas and the Nikon's and those those with the Pacon you could do thirty five and get sort of the same mm -hmm. uh, quality as a digital camera could in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, but nobody had those scanners back then that started yeah. out and nobody knew about it so. So I, to I, I totally a, agree. Uh, straight to medium format is, is is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think people uh, they it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that it's it's a lot easier to make a larger format look good than it is to make thirty five millimeter look good. Yeah. At least if you're a home scanner, um, just because the the equipment is just not built for it. You know, like it's just it's um, it's such you need a very very sharp lens and very very um, you know good you know well calibrated equipment in order to make a good 35 millimeter scan um you know or you can just do it in the dark room which yeah that's fun too yeah is, that, that's more that's more my speed these days <laughs> but that's that's sort of the step number two i feel but uh, for for me at least it was uh i i, I came from digital and, and uh when i started with film um i sort of wanted the the same look or or even better look but without the computer stuff and i i was just getting so fed up of watching hours and hours of software editing mm -hmm. uh stuff photoshop where we, replacing this and that and um i was spending maybe let's say it, it took maybe 10 minutes to, to shoot something and then i would spend or four or five evenings uh, learning tutorials and then trying stuff mm -hmm. and then printing and then not being satisfied but the, the freedom that film gave me was that I, I spent maybe not 10 minutes but I, instead I spent 20 minutes at the scene and then all I did was scan it and just make a few changes and then that was it it was it was yeah. it was heaven yeah. at least for me <laughs> that, that was that was the biggest thing yeah no totally totally like it it's um and you know for me like i i i definitely uh, i'm i'm not I, I i don't enjoy the scanning portion at all um and it's well especially with uh, with medium format I, I can't i don't know i i still i never i never feel like i'm 
I'm getting what I want out of it. I just got one of those, what are the, the, the negative supply, um, oh, okay. the medium format ones. And, um, it's, and it, it's great. Like I, I really like it a lot. Um, as far as it's the workflow is so much faster. So if I'm going to not like it, at least it's over quickly, which is great. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. but, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's one of the reasons that I've uh, kind of the blocks I think I've had with, um, with shooting, with doing alternative processes is the, the digital negative portion of it. Um, because I, I still have to dive into the computer for part of it, which is just very distasteful to me. Um, even if, even if the, the negative, the quality of them that you can get out of it is great, you know, like it's, 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 that's, it's not a knock on the, on the technology at all. It's just, I would much rather if I could, um, take the photo, take it into the dark room or wherever and make an image, um, you know, keeping it completely analog. That's not to say that it's any better. It's just what I would rather do. Yeah. Is it, is it not possible to project a medium format negative onto a, like an eight by 10 piece of film and then no yeah that would be yeah yeah you can that's well i mean that that's that's one of what i think and i'm sure someone's going to correct me on this one but um I, i think there were a couple of different processes that you could do to enlarge a negative um but usually um the way that's available now is you you take a negative enlarge it onto um another neg negative um like an ortho film and then you get that'll give you a positive And then you'll have to create an, um, another, like a contact print. On a negative. Or, or onto, onto a negative. Onto a film. An, oh. Yes, to create another negative. So there's, it's kind of a two-step process. Um, at least that's the only one that I've, that I've known to do, which, again, you know, I'm too damn lazy to do that. Well, so, what if you started <laughs> with, with a positive, a black and white positive film? I've, I, you know, I actually thought about that recently. Um, Because I was I was thinking about like um, what's that stuff Scala, um, it's like a like a yeah yeah it's like a black and white positive process. I was like, huh, that could be really interesting because I could make uh, negatives in one step um, for alternative processes. But um, I haven't tried it. I actually I, it's funny you should even mention that because I just thought about that maybe like a week ago, but I haven't I, ordered any. I think I yet. I saw some some YouTube videos from Lena. Pesanova mm -hmm. uh, about black and white po positive. Um, I don't think that was any special kind of film. It was just the 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 the, the chemical process of developing just turned it into a positive. Mm. Uh, from from any film, I think I'm not 100 sure, but yeah, that sounds familiar. I'll have to I'll have to look that up because that sounds that sounds really kind of up my alley um as far as but i've been really doing i've been thinking of um when you when you uh when i learned that i was going to do this with you uh, you know I, i started contact printing a little bit again and i've been really interested in doing um small contact prints like kind of forcing myself to do smaller instead of thinking i need to you know oh it's not it's not good unless it's at least 11 by 14 you know but right um mm -hmm. But rather like taking my four by fives and contact printing them, and I've actually really enjoyed that. Um, I'm kind of you know surprised myself. I got this little uh, vintage uh, Kodak, um, what do they call it? An auto mask um, contact printer. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 30 bucks on eBay. So you take like a five by seven piece of paper, and then you can contact print a four by five in it. Um, and it was actually really cool. And it, it surprisingly, um, or not surprising to anyone else, I'm sure, but to me, I was just like, oh, this is actually really nice, you know, to, to work in this smaller format without having to, you know, I think we, we get a little bit of obsessed with, you know, bigger is better, but, um, yeah, you, you can make some really pretty stuff, um, that's small, I think. It could also, I, I've, uh, played with the idea of, uh, contact printing four by five and then just using the same size frame as I wanted to with the big prints just mm -hmm. just have this tiny little 4x5 in the center and then just a whole lot of white space yeah yeah you have yeah, to be cool too. super close but maybe I should explain um, why I invited you on uh, that 
it's <laughs> slow news day <laughs> yeah no i just um i've been watching your calitype printing videos and i i mean i i fell in love with the, the the platinum palladium printing type of thing when i saw the videos from um uh flagstaff from that uh mm -hmm. what's it called the the brookover brookover gallery and and that um that special lab that does that Oh, I can't yeah. remember something. I can't remember their name either. I know hidden light, hidden, that. hidden light. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And just those those videos are just I, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I can't stop watching them. And um, yeah. But of course, I checked the prices of uh, and the <laughs> you know like four thousand dollars for for a print or I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But then I just put that away and didn't think of it uh, think of it until I saw your calitai printing video with gold toner and how similar it looked mm -hmm. and when i checked the prices of those chemicals that's a whole different ball game yeah so uh, ever since then i kind of wanted to chat with you about how to do it and sort of how you got into it and um and if there's any tips and tricks uh, about the process that we need to know about if we want to try it our, ourselves yeah um i would say um well i mean I, I just like you i came across platinum palladium printing and you know you see that moment that the developer hits the print and you're just like what <laughs> in the world did i just watch that was amazing yeah <laughs> you know um and it was awesome you know and then you go and you're like i'm gonna order me a boatload of those chemicals <laughs> and you see the price tag and you're like okay never mind right so yeah. i just i just kind of came across this other thing calotype and you know, and then I did more research into it and and how similar the processes are. So I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go ahead and order this, this little kit and I'm going to I'm going to try it out. Um, and it was great. You don't get quite the same effect of the the developing part part, you know, the magic moment that you do with platinum palladium, because with with platinum and palladium, um, you know, you're you're pretty much almost done. Like when you hit them, when that developer hits, like you know what the print's going to look like. Um, but with Calatite, it still has to go through a clearing, couple of clearing baths, and then a fix. And and during that time, the color and then to and toning before that, and during that time, the color shifts and the, the contrast shifts. You know, so you're you're not anywhere close to your final uh, result when that when the developer hits. So it's it's still cool. But it's not quite, you know, the same thing um, as far as um, that magic moment anyway goes. But the results, um, you know, they say that if you if you tone with palladium or, or a platinum palladium mixture, they're chemically identical to a palladium print because all you're all that's doing is just uh, taking the iron or um, the uh, silver out and replacing it with uh, with a, a more stable metal. Um, like and you know, so in in my case when I'm toning. Um, I've used palladium before and I like it a lot actually. Um, but gold, I find I get a little bit more contrast when I do it. Um, so it's just substituting that, that silver, um, out and then using, um, uh, replacing it with gold. Um, or you could replace it with platinum or you could replace it with palladium or, or a mixture of both. Um, but again, you know, you still have to purchase the platinum and you have to purchase the palladium which are both very expensive gold on the other hand is not that expensive even though you know you'd think you know it's gold <laughs> but it's it's really not that not that pricey um as far as the toner goes um i haven't done it with um selenium um but i heard that's a really pretty process as well with its own little things but yeah that 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 was the, the part that confused me because uh, i've i use selenium for my for my regular darkroom prints and Mm -hmm. And I know what color shifts they that that one brings and and stuff, but and then I I heard about gold toner for for the calotype, but that sort of the gold toner leaves the same color shifts as the selenium does for darkroom prints. Am I am I correct? The sort of blue. Yeah. Well, I mean, selenium is is uh, when you're just dealing with regular silver prints, it will it'll. It'll be fairly neutral unless you keep toning, and then it'll do some color shifts in the purples. Yeah, purple and the, you know, and blue. Mm. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for gold, it's more of a yeah, kind of a warmish, a warmish purple. Um, but oh. it's really, it's really subtle. It's re it's really pretty. It's not. It, it sounds like it would be kind of gaudy, but it, it really, um, 
it's really nice. And what I've what I've been trying to do lately is um, is uh, split tone with um, palladium and gold, and it's really hard because like and, I, and it's, it's it's something on my end that I just haven't figured out yet because um, the palladium my my gold toner takes its sweet time to tone, but my palladium toner is like fast like super fast oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah like too fast so i'm trying to figure out what, if i need to dilute it or or, or what because hmm. like it's it's immediately because if you leave it for too long the palladium um will uh replace the gold in the print oh. um so you just end up with a palladium toned print so you have to kind of get the get the palladium off of it really quick I think I think the way it works is that the the more stable. Sorry, my dog's in the background barking it. So sorry about that. Um, it's probably an emergency somewhere. <laughs> no, 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 probably not. But um, um, so the um, the the more stable of the metals um, always takes um, precedence. So if the, if you do gold oh. first, if you do gold first, the palladium will eventually replace it. Um, so if I were to do palladium first and then do gold, it wouldn't do anything because the palladium is more stable of a metal. So the, the gold can't overpower it. Um, oh my gosh. Shut up down there, darling. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I swear okay. the house is not on fire. Sorry. <laughs> well, I can, um, we sh maybe we should sort of, uh, explain a little bit about the process itself. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. uh, and you can just stop me when I get something wrong. I probably will. But uh, as far as I can tell, it's uh, it's an alternative process with um, with UV light as the uh, main uh, driver or whatever. And um, you start off with a di digital negative or with a regular negative. And uh, that's where... Uh, you you started with that and you you coat uh, a paper, any kind of paper, right? But the the more suited the better. Um, I can can you also do calotype on like wood and and and? No, it's and... not like it's not like a cyanotype. No, okay. Like where like like a cyanotype, you can you can cyanotype anything, right? You can just just put the the um, the coating uh, mixture onto whatever it is that you want, and then you can. You can do it in the sun or do it wherever. You can do. I mean, you can do a, a calotype or a platinum palladium in the sun as well. But just the way that, um, because of the need to clear the chemicals off, um, and using an actual developer, um, you need a a a, p a paper that is actually suited towards it. So you kind of right. need like a yeah a higher quality um, paper. Uh, to be able to do it and it, it just but the paper itself the process is not, will work it's not light sensitive so you the light right. sensitive part is the chemicals that you brush on yes yes, yes exactly yeah so you'll do um you'll mix i believe it's a ferric oxalate and um, silver nitrate in equal parts for calotype um along with you know so there's a couple of other mo other modifiers that you can use um to add um contrast or take take contrast away if your uh, negative is um, not contrasty enough for the process or too contrasty for the process and then um, you mix those in equal parts and then you put it on your piece of paper spread it around with a brush um, let that dry and then you slap your negative on put it under a uv light source and then you go on with the rest of the uh, with the process and, and the uv light source uh I spent a lot of time researching that, and I, I sort of didn't end up with any clear answer. Mm -hmm. uh, you can basically use anything. It's just, am I am I right? And it's just uh, how the light is shaped and and how strong it is makes uh, the the process take longer or shorter depending on what you end up buying am i am i wrong yeah or? yeah so and that's all i ended up because i i needed consistency in my life like i just i can't deal with with the sun you know and sometimes it's this bright and sometimes it's not and sometimes it has this much uv and sometimes it's like i just i can't think that way um so i ended up building my own uv box um 
um, I, I found like a, it was a tutorial that I found on YouTube or something like that. And I think I ended up doing it and getting all the material. And I am not a handy guy. Like I'm not. <laughs> I, I barely know the, the right end of a hammer at all. But if so, if I can build this box, then anyone can. Um, and I think it cost me all together, like with the bulbs, I think a little bit north of $100 or something like that. Um, but it still works, you know, like it's it's still still kicking. So, um, but yeah, and I think the box that I built can do up to, I haven't done it this big, but I think up to about a 16 by 20 negative. Um, but uh, yeah. But so, so all that really is, is just uh, somewhere for you to slide in the 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 contact sheet holder uh, the contact frame with the negative and the and the coated piece of paper mm-hmm. and just to remain flat and connected uh, under UV lighting I I ended up right. I ended up buying uh, three of these light uh, UV light tubes with uh, where they had uh, sort of uh, a connector and and a socket for each. Uh, so I just have to turn them on one by one, but I think I paid like thirty bucks in total for mine. Oh, that's uh, great! So you can do you and and you can go all the way up to buying those vacuum uh, UV right, light boxes right. mm-hmm. for for four or five six hundred dollars. But uh, like like you, I wanted somewhere that I could if if I got used to making a digital negative in one way, I knew this would take 12 minutes and this would take 18 or, or I wanted to get to a, to a point where I could understand the process um, and, and sort of get to know my negatives and my, my speed uh, in a way. So, but the, the thing that uh, I've been thinking about lately with these processes, uh, cyanotypes and uh, calotypes and, and Van Dyck and salt printing and stuff is it surprises me how, a little um it's used because mm. the, the the big step for for today's photographer going from digital to the, to film is the dark room yeah and w- with calotypes you can get you can get you can get blown away by the results from a print and you don't need a dark room at all you don't need to hide your paper in a in a in a sealed thing and and don't open it until this and that you can uh, brush chemicals on in your living room if you if you want that uh, all you need is some cheap uv lights and 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 a bit of time to experiment and of course a, yeah. a printer for the digital negatives you or you can just use the, the negatives as they come but it's it's fascinating that that hasn't caught on more yeah i don't i don't really know i mean i, I have a feeling that um that printing in, in all of its various guises, you know, whether it be in the dark room or alternative processes, I, th- I think that's kind of going to be the next, the next wave of what becomes, you know, popular again, um, is, is in these circles anyway, you know, within, within reason. Um, just because I, a lot of these, a lot of these processes, I think just kind of have been forgotten. Um, and people haven't seen the results, but that's it, one of the great things about, you know, YouTube and is that people are seeing these things happen. I mean, how do you explain to someone, um, you know, that magical moment of, of the platinum and palladium, um, development happening without seeing it? Like, how, how do you, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same if you just saw a picture of it in a book. Um, but now you can see it happening on YouTube. And I think that that's, that's, that's great. You know, I think that's kind of what's been the rush behind this is that people are kind of seeing, um, one, not only as this crazy process still here, um, but you know, they can do it too. Um, you know, it's not this unattainable thing. Um, and I think it's just going to take a little bit of time where people really start hearing about it, you know? Right. I, I, I agree with that. I, I wanted to ask you about, your your workflow with digital negatives and uh, because i i've seen so many <laughs> tutorials about half an hour tutorials about step step sheets and and i that has stopped me in my tracks of of actually even printing one this is going to be a very unsatisfying answer because <laughs> <laughs> what i do is i take my negative i invert it um i flip it um left to right and then i make it a little bit contrasty and then I'm done. 
because I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like I, I can't do it. Like, you know, as far as like the, the, I, I tried once, I think to create a step wedge and I was just like, I'm I'm not doing this. Like this is, this is not what I'm going to do but with my life. Then I have, to, <laughs> I have to follow up that question because mm-hmm. how the hell did you get that gorgeous portrait, a calotype portrait in that video to be that good? If all you did was a little did, 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 did and then just print it. Did you make up for that in the printing process, or no, no? Was it luck, so. or is... which 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 uh, which which portrait are you talking uh, about? The the guy with the beard, uh, where you you toned it in gold. Oh oh um, oh probably my dad with glasses. Does he have glasses? It could be he has his uh, uh, finger on his chin. Oh, oh no, no. Okay, okay. That's Nito. That's definitely not my dad. <laughs> um, um, no, yeah. I just, uh, just, I just, just did it. You know. I mean, I, I know that it works best with a with a pretty contrasty negative. So I made it. I made the uh, the negative contrasty, and then just tried it. Um, and I'm sure, like, had I gone through the process, I could have made it even better. But to me, I was just like, wow, that looks really good. And then, I, okay, now I'm done. Um, wow. So. Um, you know, but I but I think that's it's not to say that the my shot is amazing. It's just the process is awesome. You know, it just it just looks cool. So did did you do it? Yeah. Did you did you guess the time for 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 UV exposure in the uh, beginning or? I did. You know, it's funny you say that because I, I did. Um, I did it for. Um, I tried a couple of different versions of it when I first started out. Um, and then since then I've been doing about two and a half minutes or so, because mostly, you know, the way I shoot my negatives kind of all come out around the same, um, contrast. Um, so that was working for a while. And then when I went to go try again this other day, I was definitely underexposed on my um, UV. So I need to adjust my times a little bit. Um, so I, and that, I think that's just, less me being right before and more just um i just finally came across a negative that that didn't work with so i need to actually you know try mm. so you know so now so now i'll never do it no i'm kidding <laughs> I'll, I'll probably do <laughs> well, are you i i kind of feel like i'm i'm the kind of person that if i try with a negative and it doesn't work i just move on to a different negative or do you just stick with it until everything works with that negative <sighs> I don't, you know, I don't with 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 silver. I, I definitely stick with it. We like with just like a just like a regular darkroom print. I'll stick with it. Um, but I, I haven't. It's it's harder with with calotype because the the lead up is so long because you have to, you know, you have to mix the chemicals and you have to um, spread them on the paper. Then you have to let it dry, and so usually I just kind of lose interest. Mm-hmm. Um, if it didn't work once or twice, I'm kind of like, all right, I'll come back to it, and then I never do. <laughs> Um, I can, but, I can um, see that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, because it, it's, it's and not because, well, yes, because I'm lazy, but <laughs> it's, it's more about just not having the time to, to do it. Um, you know, when you're, if you're in the, if you're in the dark room and a print doesn't work, you do another print. Um, you yeah. know, you just, you change things, you can change contrast, you can change this, but if you're, you know, unless you've got, um, you know, 10 pieces of paper lined up, uh, that have, uh, coding on them, you know, you, you can't adjust anything that fast with, with alternative processes. So at least not the ones that I'm doing. Um, all right. So, well, uh, it's been wonderful to, to chat with you, uh, Hans about this. I, I have so many questions about your name because it sounds very Norwegian <laughs> to me, but we can do that yeah. some other yeah. time. Um, uh, but also, um, I just wanted to let the people listening know that you definitely need to check out his YouTube channel, find the Calotype printing videos and watch them for yourself and then just go to Bostig and Sullivan, just buy the chemicals and do it, right? Yeah, do it. Absolutely. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Do it twice. I mean, like if you, you know, I, I still have not managed to uh, make um, cyanotypes, but I really want, that's a fantastic entry point into alternative processes because it's cheap. Um, you use water as a developer. It's not like, you know, super permanent. You can use anything to, to do it on, but I think that'd be a really great spot for people to kind of give it a shot, you know, without making that, that big, 
yeah. um, investment in a whole bunch of chemicals because you kind of do need toners uh, for uh, for calotype. Um, but uh, but you can also yeah, tone. I, I I sort of lost interest in Scientest when I thought it could only be this blue because I mm, didn't know if I mm -hmm. liked that. But you can just tone it in tea or coffee and and it turns yeah, brown absolutely. again. I mean, yeah, yeah. when I found that out, man. <laughs> well, okay. Um, we'll definitely have to do this uh, again. Uh, as just, I just need to do some printing and just build up the questions for for the master of calotypes. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks, mate. For... When, when you manage to get him on, let me know, and I'll listen to his uh, <laughs> to his show. Well, thanks. But no, this is this has been really great. Thank you, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope to to do it again. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Hans. And uh, for the listeners out there, I'll catch you in the next episode.